we are taught to not be trusting of our bodies and we are taught to replace, you know, its own, our own intuition with calories and formulas and, you know, counting and all this stuff. But, you know, that leads many of us down this trail of not eating enough. guys, welcome back to episode 54 of That's So Maven. I am super excited about today's episode, and I know I say that every week, but that's because I get really excited about every episode because it's awesome getting to talk to really cool people and share those conversations with you. But I'm also really excited because I am going on vacation today, and it's been a while since I've taken a vacation. And if I'm being totally honest, there were years of running the Healthy Maven where I could not fully take a vacation. I would be on vacation, but in my mind, I was not on vacation. And I have come to a place where I recognize the true value in actually embracing vacations. And I know that sounds like totally insane to a lot of people who are like, I would kill to be able to have any vacation when I wanted. For me, it was really hard to like let go of that piece of my business and really enjoy what was happening in front of me. But I've just set so many boundaries in my life in the last couple of years that have allowed me to be productive and effective when I'm working and to be totally offline and present in my life when I'm not. And that also means on vacation. And, you know, I'm in a place in my business where I'm able to have people who can help me make that happen. But also, I just know myself better now. And I know that taking that time is actually really, really good for me, both personally and professionally. And I'm learning to understand that the internet does not break when you're not on it. So it's something that I'm working on. And I also know that I'm not great at setting extremes. Well, actually, I'm really good at setting extremes, which is why I need to not set extremes. So I'm not someone who's like, I'm going offline, see you in five days. It's more of like, if I want to stop in because I feel like it's appropriate, then I'll do that. But if not, like my whole focus or my intention is really to live in that moment and to be with the people around me and celebrate them. And one of those celebrations is Mama Maven's birthday. So I'm really excited to spend a couple of days with her celebrating her birthday. And then I have a bachelorette party with one of my really good friends from high school who's getting married soon after me. So yeah, there's just lots of exciting things happening personally. And I want to make sure I'm there and engaged in that. So while this episode is going live, I am probably on a flight to uh, peace out a little bit from the world, and I'm very much looking forward to it. But we also have an amazing episode today, and to be honest, I haven't talked that much about sort of nutrition and diet culture in a while, both on the podcast and also on the blog. I think it's something that I feel so far removed from personally that it's not necessarily a conversation that like comes up daily or frequently for me, but I also recognize that a lot of people are not as far along on this journey and I still have a long way to go. So I wanted to bring my friends Meg and Victoria on the show today to talk about this stuff. We're going to talk about calories and why they're totally archaic and even though like I do not look at calories. They're not something that matters to me. I can't even tell you how many comments a day I get on the blog from people asking for nutrition facts on recipes. And there are certain things where I totally understand and respect why you might want that. But I really want to help reframe our understanding of food and viewing it as something that goes so far beyond, you know, a number that there's just so much more to it than just, you know, 
what what you see on the nutrition facts on the back of whatever food that you're eating or you know people message me and they're like I found your recipe on my fitness pal and not to throw anybody under the bus but I just want you guys to focus on the quality of the ingredients and that's something that's really really important to me I talk about this all the time on the blog I really don't view my food as numbers I view it in terms of quality and where's my food coming from and how I can support the people who are growing my food or the manufacturers of my food. Those are things that are really important to me. And we're gonna talk a lot about that on the show. We're also gonna talk about diet culture and why we need to step away from it, binge eating, orthorexia, supplements. We really get into it in today's episode. It's a long one, but it is worth listening to. And I know you guys are gonna resonate with a lot of these things because like any female growing up, up in the modern world, well, we're not really able to escape a lot of this stuff. So hopefully, you know, you learn something or maybe rethink the way you've been framing your food or the way that you eat. And I don't know, I hope you have an aha moment from this episode. While we're at it, I also want to thank today's sponsor is Simply Organic. I've worked with Simply Organic for over three years and I truly do adore their products. Their spices are all organic and they work with producers to pay them fair wages without a middleman. So they're able to actually maximize the grower's returns. Also, their spices taste amazing. Seriously, if you guys open up my spice drawer, it's all Simply Organic spices. It's kind of embarrassing. But Simply Organic is also committed to organic and sustainable farming communities through the Simply Organic Giving Fund, which to date has raised over $1.5 million to organic products, including helping organic growers in developing countries to produce and market certified organic products, and also supporting farmers here in the U.S., who are doing organic education and research projects. So your your dollar really, really does go a long way. Also, Simply is offering you guys, that's some even listeners, an awesome discount code. So if you go onto their website, the next time you're shopping or head over there today, just use the code MAVEN18 at checkout and you'll save 20% off plus free shipping. I know when I moved into my new apartment and needed to stock up on spices, it was so key having this. So if you wanna save 20% off your next order, make sure you use the code MAVEN18. And I really do believe that spices make all the difference when it comes to cooking. They allow for so much experimentation and variety and I've just loved working with Simply Organic over the last couple of years. They've been an awesome supporter of the Healthy Maven and I just love working with their brand. They really are the most amazing team and I just like supporting their company. So if you guys want to save 20% off, make sure you use Maven18 at checkout and stay tuned till the end of the episode if you guys want to hear who's coming up next week on the show as well as a couple PSAs about the podcast. So hang around until then and yeah, enjoy today's episode. Hello, both of you. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Hey, Davida. Hey, Davida. Oh, you guys are so cute. We were just chatting before we hit record and just kind of geeking out over, you know, finally being able to connect. I like really admire all the work both of you are doing individually and together. And I'm just, you know, feeling really lucky to have your hour today to chat with you. Oh gosh, we are honored. Yeah, you're like our idol. So we very much appreciate you having us on your podcast and we're so excited to be here. Oh, you're so sweet. So if you want to each take a turn kind of introducing who you are and a bit more about yourself, that would be amazing. So why don't, why don't Victoria, take us away. 
Awesome. Okay. So I am a dietitian. I am originally from North Carolina. I live in St. Petersburg, Florida now where Meg also resides. And we'll kind of explain that in a second. Resides. Resides. I know serious words today. <laughs> Break out the big <laughs> Um, You know, I am very much into intuitive eating and digestion health because a lot of what I've been through myself, I have struggled for years, probably since the age of 15 or 16, I had disordered eating, which kind of morphed itself into restricting and binge eating, and then morphed itself into orthorexia and over-exercising. So a lot of the work we do is based on eating disorder recovery, and that's why Meg and I are both so passionate about it, it's because we have our own histories with that. It's just um, as time has gone, although obviously I've become an intuitive eater and I've become super passionate about blending intuitive eating with healing digestion and hormone work, because honestly, a lot of what I've been through, I've had just about every health issue we specialize in. So I'm very passionate about that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, outside of that, I don't know. I live in Florida with my husband and my fur children, my dog, Porter, he's crazy. And my other, my other animals crazy too, Ellie. And yeah, just living life. We started our business almost a year ago to this exact date. Um, and it's been a whirlwind of an amazing experience. And maybe after Meg explains herself, I can, we can kind of explain how that came to fruition. Yeah. I I love that. So Meg, why don't you give a little bit of background on who you are? Yeah, so my name's Meg, obviously, <laughs> and I am originally from Texas, and I am misplaced here in Florida <laughs> via, via Arkansas. Um, I am a dietitian, of course, registered dietitian. We both are. I don't remember if you said that, I but did. of course, went to school for dietetics and all that good stuff. But yeah, had my own experience, personal experience with eating disorder and eating disorder recovery. And like Victoria said, that what we do now is really an outpouring of, of our heart because we have so much passion behind this because we have such, it's so personal to us and we have such, such experience with it in ourselves. And so that's really, whether it's our individual blogs or our Instagrams or our podcasts or our business, everything is just really an outpouring of our hearts. And so, yeah, um, I, like I said, I, I moved to Arkansas for a little while for my internship and met my husband and it's Valentine's day. So I'm going to gush, uh, <laughs> my husband there. and then we moved to Florida for his job and I met Victoria and the rest is history with that. But outside of work, like I said, I'm married to my wonderful husband, Blake. I have two, three, two, <laughs> I have three for children. Um, my dog, Iroh and my two rabbits, which if anybody follows me on Instagram, you probably see them way too much because I'm a little obsessed. It's never too much when it comes to animals. That's my opinion. But you're like us. You're animal people. That's true. That's true. Oh, like your dog. Oh, so cute. Yeah. I mean, I'm biased, but I think he's pretty cute. He's adorable. So you two both live in Florida and, you know, you have similar backgrounds. How did you originally meet and ultimately decide to go into business together? Yeah, so we actually originally met on Instagram before. I mean, I was living in Arkansas before I even thought I was moving to Florida. Like, I had, no, had idea. no idea she was moving in the same city. And I was like, hey, this person's cool. Let's. And we started talking and, you know, developed our, our relationship on there, which, yeah, our business relationship. And it was awesome. And then I moved here and 
Yeah, she um, got her husband got placed residency here, and it just was so serendipitous of her like moving to the same city. I actually lived in Clearwater, which most of you probably don't, know, but it's basically right beside St. Petersburg, where we all live now. And I ended up buying a house with my husband in St. Petersburg, so we both like within the same month moved to the same city. Ended up meeting for drinks and hitting it off. Love it for sight. Love it for sight. <laughs> like they're like dietitian soul sisters, but we're definitely like we're like real life best friends and we just decided to start a business. Actually, Meg one day texted me. Um, we were both obviously at other jobs at the time. She was like, I want to start a practice. Do you want to do it too? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Um, so we spent kind of a year putting it all together. We wanted to be very specific about what we did and how we did it. So we took a really long time to put our practice together. And now, like I said, we're actually at a point where we're almost at our year mark of being an open business. And we both actually quit our jobs pretty quick after starting the practice, which we're both very thankful for. That's amazing. And, you know, like you said, you've had similar backgrounds and, and have a similar passion when it comes to nutrition. So I would love if you could kind of explain, you know, how you guys are different from how your practice is different from other dietitians out there. I do feel like we differ a lot. Um, we call ourselves untraditional dietitians and um, traditional eaters. And traditional eaters. And that is tied into intuitive eating for us. Obviously, Meg and I are first and foremost specialization is eating disorder recovery and disordered eating. Um, we work a lot with people of orthorexia and we, everything we do is based in intuitive eating, but also intuitive living. But within that, we also talk to people a lot about, you know, just thinking about how things have always been done. We always talk about like traditional cuisines and how everyone ate all food groups, but how they used to. And then from there, we kind of blend in digestive health. We're very passionate about that hormones being balanced because as you probably know, Davida, when you're having an eating disorder, your hormones go kind of crazy. So we, we found that in the beginning, we thought we were just going to do eating disorder, but then we realized that everyone was having digestive issues. And then we realized everyone was having hormones. So it's kind of become this awesome trifecta of kind of doing all three together and blending it together. Yeah. I mean, they're all so tied. And that's what I've learned that anyone who has any kind of history of disordered eating, which is, you know, sadly, so many of us, like, it has major implications on your hormones, on your digestion, and that, you know, trying to, to get your hormones and your digestion into a good place and also, like, your mind to a place where you're comfortable around food is, you know, it's a tricky balance. Oh, gosh, absolutely. And that's – it really is a tricky balance trying to – and I think that's what sets us apart from not just other dietitians but a lot of practitioners. We, we try to find that balance between – you know, healing your relationship with food and working on that emotional component, but also allowing yourself to heal physically from food. And we really truly believe that, you know, emotional healing has to come first when it comes to any sort of healing, like physical can healing cannot, cannot come first. If you are not in a good place with food, you know, the gut brain axis is so strong and that is related to hormones and all this stuff. And so, and two, our big thing is wellness without obsession. And so we also, <laughs> In our, in our beliefs and in the things that we teach, there's so much variability there. There's individuality there. There's just time for, you know, there's time for kale salads and, <laughs> you know, all those things. But there's also times for tacos and margaritas. In our view, it's just all, it's all one and the same. It's all just 
enjoying life and you know their wellness is not just food and I think that's what sets us apart one of the ways from a lot of dietitians and a lot of people out there is that we don't just talk about the food portion and the the nutrition component it's kind of funny because sometimes I'm like do I ever talk about actual (laughs) nutrition like because there's just so much more to wellness as you know to be done you know there's sleep and you know the the gut and that social connection, that social interaction, that's so important. And we never want people to miss out on just living life and enjoying life for the sake of, you know, quote unquote wellness, because you can, you can have your cake and eat it too. (laughs) We believe they go hand in hand. Um, So we talk about intuitive eating, intuitive living, but we also do a lot of holistic stuff. We just kind of like, we merged it all together because we kind of felt like it was either one or the other. And we like to be like, no, you can have both. Yeah. That was actually one of our first business meetings. We're like, so we're super passionate about intuitive eating, but we also, you know, love this holistic healing side. Like how can we bring all of this together to meet this population of people that we see being underserved and not really getting answers that they need or the message that they need? Completely. And I think, you know, media these days is, is kind of giving conflicting messages because it's so full of experts who are, you know, telling you exactly what you should be eating and exactly how you should be moving your body and all of the all of this messaging is so overwhelming that when you're in a place where you're not necessarily comfortable in your own skin, you don't know what to do. Like you don't know, you know, which direction you're supposed to be going in. And what I love about your practice is that you remind people that ultimately you get to choose how it is that you treat your body, how you nourish your body. And, you know, and what I love is that piece that like, you know, the the social aspects of your health, how your sleep is, your hormones, all of those things affect your gut and your gut affects all of those things. So you can't really, you know, look at just the nutrition piece, which is important, but there is so much more to that. And I think that's where people get really lost because they're like, I'm eating perfectly, you know, quote unquote clean, but I feel like crap. And there's, there's so much more to it, which is, you know, what you guys really touch on, which is, you know, the, probably the biggest reason why I want you here on the show today. Cause I think there's so many people who are in this place where maybe they have a history of calorie counting or just in obsession with their food. And, you know, they're getting to a place where they realize there's so much more to life than just what you eat. Like, what advice do you give to that person who is like ready to kind of take this plunge? Like, do you start with the mental side? Do you start with, you know, hormones? Do you start with digestion? Like there's so much to do. What advice would you have for that person? And I just want to say real quick, Davida, that's why we love your information too, because we feel like you do such a good job of showing all sides of the spectrum and just, you know, making sure people know that like wellness can be done with with healing your health, but not in a obsessive or dogmatic way. So just side note, that's why we love you so much. Uh, thanks guys. Uh, but yeah, so well, I just think there needs to be more of us out there, honestly, preaching this kind of message. So we're all about supporting each other. Um, but absolutely mental recovery has to come first recovery from any type of disordered eating. And, um, you know, food should be fun. It should be free. You should not have you know, be thinking about it all the time. It should be a part of your life, not the only thing in your life. And we really truly believe that living intuitively is going to heal your health. And I think, again, that's where sometimes the message is mixed is like, well, you have to follow this strict diet to heal. But our beliefs that are rooted both in research, but also just in what we've seen clinically in our practices, no, like intuitive eating comes first and foremost, mental health comes first and foremost. And you can blend all that though with healing your health too. Like it doesn't have to be this one or the other thing. Right. And I also want to 
reference something that we talk a lot, a lot about in our, our practice and in the ebook that we did. Um, number one, you know, I think there's so much shame and guilt around food and this whole, you know, quote unquote wellness uh, culture and everything. And so we really start with that, 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 that self-love piece or that just maybe not even self-love, but just like that stopping the war piece, like no more waging war against your body. Like you and your, you are one in the same, like you need to work together. Your body is not trying to, you know, go hurt you or go against you. In a lot of ways, it's trying to protect you and, you know, keep you strong, keep you alive because with, you know, diet culture and everything, we are so swayed and so, you know, dissociated from our body and our minds are so dissociated and disattached from each other that it can be really a journey to get you back to that place of fully being able to eat intuitively. And, you know, starting with just that stopping the war, that self-love aspect, even that just that developing that that trust and the respect that is largely missing in a lot of people when they get to disordered eating or they get to an eating disorder. So there's a lot of, a lot of disconnect there. And, and then, you know, you mentioned the media, I think you're so right. People can be so, it, all or nothing. it's all or nothing. It's, really oh, is. you need to do the vegan diet. You need the paleo diet. You need to do all these things are going to like cure. They're going to be cure-alls. They're going to cure you from everything. But you know, all of this extremist leaves room. It, it, it lacks, it doesn't leave room for individuality and variability at all. You know, we're all so different. Like some people's going to, somebody's going to thrive so well on a vegan diet. Somebody's going to thrive on a paleo, but you know, we also don't have to label ourselves as anything. So I think stripping away the labels and the rules and even like the social media and just detaching from all of that and stop just really to stop the noise. And I think that, is such a good place for people to start. And, you know, one of the first discussions we have with people is social media, you know, who are you following? You know, how often are you on there? And, you know, what are you reading? Because all this noise can really fog somebody's natural intuition in their body. You know, I was trying to tell them their body is very, our bodies are so smart and they know we just have to remove the noise so we can actually listen to what works for us and feel what works for us instead of what somebody else is impressioning upon us. Totally. And I think, you know, we're also getting so much messaging that, Sometimes it's hard to forget it all. Like I know in my own recovery, it was hard for me to like unknow calories. Like it took a really long time to get to a place where I could like look at a piece of food and not know how many calories it was. Because once we start to learn these behaviors, it becomes really challenging to let them go. And, you know, any tips for people who, you know, maybe, well, first let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about calories because I feel like we've, you know, I've tiptoed around this conversation in a lot of podcast episodes about why calorie counting just is archaic and like doesn't actually make any sense. But, you know, I've, I've jumped the step ahead without actually explaining why it is that like we should not be labeling our food with a number. So I would love if you could kind of explain a bit more about that. Calories are so antiquated in my opinion, and I am glad that you want to have this conversation because I definitely feel like it's warranted and it needs to happen more often. So in our professional opinions, you know, calories are just so far down on the list of what really matters for your health. And, you know, we're, we're trained clinically dietitians. So we always say, you know, there's a time and a place for calories, maybe in a hospital setting for two feedings, TP and that kind of stuff. But 
what I really think we've missed the mark with is in today's like just, you know, everyday lives. Like we don't need to like obsessively count our calories. And I mentioned previously, we always talk about traditional cuisine and just how have things always been done, right? And it doesn't mean going back to Paleolithic times. It just means thinking about like, were we ever thinking about calories? The answer is no. If you look to a lot of the equations that we use for calorie counting, like Mifflin St. George or Harrison Benedict, they were made like 100 years ago off of a sample size of 300. So one of the first things I always tell people is that is like, you know, we're basing so much off of this one study on this one equation. And when you can go further deeper into that and understand that there's so much nuances into calories and how we absorb them and just even what's on the nutrition fact labels, it really doesn't matter. What really matters is what is your body telling you? And that's why we're so big in self-adoration and uh, intuitive living and tuning, just basically doing all the things we can to tune back into the body to teach you how to listen to what your body's actually trying to tell you what it needs, not some silly calorie amounts that we've told ourselves we need. Yeah. And I, I you know, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, it's something that like doesn't even play through my mind on a daily basis anymore. And in many ways, kind of the people around me are not really, you know, captured by that. But every single day I get comments on my blog from people being like, how many calories are in this? What are the macros on that? Do you have the nutrition on this recipe? And it's not something I provide because it's not something I believe in. But, you know, I, I realize that, you know, there still is a very large portion of the population that uses this metric as a way to understand food. And, you know, when when you've become so ingrained in that lifestyle, when you start to equate everything you eat with a number, how do you let that go? Yeah, um, I, I can resonate with what you're saying so hard. I went through, you know, it took me years to forget calories. And I can say finally today, I really truly, sometimes I have to make, you know, calorie things for like say an eating disorder client or something, you know, where it's necessary and appropriate. But on the day to day, like I have to, look, I mean, I have to look these things <laughs> up when I do that. I'm like, wait, how many calories in peanut butter? Like I truly don't know. And so, so dissociated from that. But I, I, it definitely took years to get here. And this is honestly a question I get all the time from my clients because it is a constant struggle and they want it to go away so hard immediately because it can be such a, such a bondage thing and such, um, you know, you can really feel shackled in a lot of way when it comes to, to calories and you're, when you're in so entrenched in that mindset, because it truly can seem like everything when that's your one view of food for so long, it's like, you know, you base everything off of calories. Again, it goes back to that. There, there's such this disconnect and what Victoria was touching on there. There's such this disconnect between your body and your mind. You have to, you know, our bodies are so smart. We don't have to we, don't we have forget to in traditional times, yeah. yeah, we didn't have to, you know, monitor our body's intake of stuff in order to, you know, maintain our set point or live a well-lived life or eat appropriately. Like when you think about it in that way, it's really kind of bizarre and kind of crazy that we've gotten so to this point that everything boils down to calories. And that's just, you know, diet culture is, you know, rampant and smart and it's normalized this whole idea around calories and trying to, and, you know, people take that and they take it they think, oh, well, 2000, I'll make that this and this and this. And they, they take that and they truly run with this whole idea. And so of course it can just lead down a rabbit hole that just, it's more, more disconnect. And so, like I said, our bodies are extremely smart and that's why we love intuitive eating and traditional eating because people don't realize that our bodies don't naturally, they will naturally crave an appropriate amount of calories. And so we, we don't, we are taught to not be trusting of our bodies and we are taught to, 
um, replace, you know, its own, our own intuition with calories and formulas and, you know, counting and all this stuff. But, you know, that leads many of us down this trail of not eating enough. And our body again is super smart. It knows when we're not eating enough. It knows where we're, when we're in that, essentially it's a self, it's, it's starvation. We have self-inflicted ourselves with starvation and our body doesn't realize that we're just trying to lose weight. No, it's trying to protect us. And so our body has protective mechanisms in place. Um, going back to hormones and because it, it truly does go and slow down our metabolism, which of course many people are like, Oh, well diet will work for me. You know, they work for me for this long and now it's not working. Well, yeah, that's because your body is trying to protect you. And so the answer for, you know, well to be well and to, to live well and, you know, maintain your set point and all this stuff isn't to, you know, have this death grip on calories or control the in and the out because the body is so much more nuanced than calories in, calories out, which is really crazy. We were taught calories in, calories out in, in you know, dietetic school. And so now that I know so much more about the complexity of the body and all the nuances and everything that goes into that, it really truly does kind of blow my mind because it's, it's, no, it's not about the calories. There's so much more at play here when it comes to um, weight maintenance and just, and also, you know, we also were taught to calculate BMIs and, or, and, you know, ideal set points and all of these things, like the ideal set point so doesn't take into consideration uh, individuality. Like some people are not meant to be this quote unquote ideal of whatever you've decided it's going to be like in this textbook or in this study or whatever. And so that's something else we like to address a lot in our practice and on our podcast and everything. You know, what is this ideal? <laughs> what are we trying to get to here? Because there is no one ideal. What are these cultural standards that we've, you know, set ourselves up to trying to, you know, get to? So sorry, I went on a tangent there. But... <laughs> No, it's, I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head and this is something that, you know, I've noticed personally, but also in, you know, people who have kind of gone down this dieting rabbit hole is that when you start trying to restrict, you then have that, you know, opposite reaction where you, you know, end up binging and people, you know, then are diagnosed with binge eating disorder. And, you know, so much of it is really just a lack of trust in your body and, I, I get it because, you know, when you restrict, you suddenly feel like you want to eat everything and then you do and then you feel badly about yourself and you, you go through this cycle over and over and over again. And, you know, I do want to talk about binge eating disorder because I think, you know, this is something that has become, you know, increasingly more researched and understood in the last couple of years. Do you think like it is a direct implication of restricting your body or, or is it more more than that? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Um, I, I I can speak to this a lot. I mean, Meg did this too, but my story is very heavily tied to binge eating. I binge ate since I was a little girl and it was always because I restricted. So even as a child, I knew I should only eat certain foods. I should restrict my food. I need to be smaller size. So it was very ingrained in me at a very young age to restrict and it always led to binge eating. And, um, Absolutely. Like with certainty, I can say, I believe binge eating is a cause of restriction. And if you are binge eating, I feel you so hard. I know it's so hard and you want to stop the binge eating, but you must, you have to stop the restriction in order to stop the binge eating because they are so 
hand in hand and they go together. And, you know, it's sad though, because in today's culture, there's a lot of misconceptions about eating disorders. And there's this huge misconception about binge eating that only certain size bodies do that, that, you know, everyone in a bigger body is binge eating. And that's just not the reality, not truthfully what's happening. And most people are struggling with binge eating and struggling to like this vicious cycle that you were mentioning right there, Davida, we restrict and then we binge and then we feel guilty for binging. So then we restrict and it, it just keeps going on this hamster wheel. So in order to get off this hamster wheel, the answer is not to stop binging. The answer is to stop restricting. Yeah. And I think that piece of advice is, you know, really challenging for anybody who's struggling with this, but also probably the best piece of advice they can receive. And, and I think, you know, like you said, it goes back to kind of that, that mental side of things of really working through mentally, like, why am I restricting? Why am I binging? Understanding those, you know, those, the, the mental aspects of, of our diet and, and why it is that we don't trust our body. And I think once you start working through that process, you can then begin the path of healing, but, you know, telling someone, okay, you have to stop restricting is sort of like, uh, you know, that that's overwhelming. Like right after you've had a binge and then you want to, you know, you immediately want to restrict. And then it's like, And now I'm supposed to stop doing that. So it's, again, like it goes back to that mental side of understanding why it is you're doing what you're doing and, you know, not to feel shame around that because so many of us have been there, like so, so probably more than we even realize. And I'm sure this is something that you both see, you know, on, on a, you know, larger, actually, I wouldn't even say a larger scale. It's probably like a more accurate version of of what's happening in the world, but people feel so much shame around it that they aren't talking about it. And it's, it's sad. It's really sad because if we, you know, if we could be more open in our struggles, I feel like we'd all be able to kind of collectively heal together. Oh yeah, I totally agree. And you know, what's interesting, as you were saying, the restricting binging, I think that's absolutely something that no one talks about that so many people are struggling with. And what I'd also add to that is orthorexia. You know, this obsession with eating healthy is so perpetuated by everyone basically telling everyone how to eat in social media. And so many people are struggling with this. And we just see it so much in our practice that I've become really passionate about this idea of like obsessively eating healthy because everyone's struggling with it and everyone feels like they have to eat a certain way because they're seeing someone else eat it. And it's just, it, it, it also is a vicious cycle. Totally. I, re- I think it was like a couple of weeks ago and, and I don't, I don't want to throw this person under the bus, but she's a very well-known person in the wellness scene and she was showing her morning smoothie and there were like 15 different types of powders that went into that smoothie. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is so not accessible and don't get me wrong. Like I'm, you know, if you want to add things in, I'm I'm all about that. But like, I hate that there's sort of become this perception that like you need to have every single possible type of adaptogen and super herb and, you know, all of these crazy things in order to feel good in your body. Like, you know, one or two, great. You know, I'm, you know, you should experiment, have fun. Like wellness should be fun and experimental, but you know, there should be no guilt or pressure to include everything. And I think that's where, you know, the messaging has gotten so conflicted in, in the wellness space that it really is leading to, like you said, orthorexia, which, you know, people are unfamiliar with that. Like, can you, can you share a bit more about what orthorexia is? Yeah. Um, orthorexia is really just a, an over obsession to, for healthy eating. Um, and I would, I would say a, a huge obsession, I guess, with, uh, with healthy eating. And, um, I mean, it, it, like any eating disorder, it really is a spectrum, but 
we've seen a lot of it in our practice. And the thing is with that, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it, it, I mean, it is recognized as an eating disorder now, and it is a, a form of disordered eating. And it is, it does impair somebody's ability to, you know, live life and, you know, experience different things and enjoy food. And there's a lot of pressure around food. And like you said, and both of y'all said, social media really, I think, perpetuates this problem. Of course, obviously, we all three are on social media, like love it. It's a great platform in a lot of ways. But in a lot of ways, it can be really damaging for somebody who's trying to figure out what, you know, what wellness and what health really means to them and trying to find that balance. And like you said, there's a lot of people in this space, they make, they make wellness look like this really sexy thing with all, you know, you see their pantries and they have all the latest like superfoods and all the latest brands that are doing all the holistic things. And, you know, that's awesome. And that's great. And I love some of those things and we use some of those things, but to be well and to, just because you don't have all those things or can't afford them or whatnot, doesn't mean you're doing things wrong. It doesn't mean you can't live well and eat well, you know, like, so that's why we talk about, you know, like a traditional foods diet a lot. Going back to that, it's like, you don't need anything fancy for this. It's yeah. just taking things back to the way we used to eat, eat them. And that's one thing that another thing that sets us apart from normal dietitians, but that's another conversation. <laughs> so so yeah. I do want to talk about food intolerances because I, I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with and, and people have so many different opinions on. I don't really want to get into that conversation because I feel like we've touched on it a lot on the podcast, but I'm wondering, you know, from your perspective, can you, separating it from food allergies, which obviously, you know, you got to eat the way you eat if you're allergic to something, but if you, you know, have been told or are experiencing certain food intolerances or notice that, you know, say eliminating one thing, you know, you physically feel better, can you still be an intuitive eater and, you know, and have some, you know, kind of rules or just regulations around how you eat? Absolutely. I do think you can. And let me kind of back up and explain that real quick. So with food sensitivities and food intolerances, like you mentioned, Devita, completely different thing than food allergies. We are not talking about food allergies at all. When someone has a food intolerance, so for me, it's like a bigger picture of like what is going on. And typically that means leaky gut or intestinal permeability is going on. So I want to dive deeper into why that's going on, not necessarily restrict 30 different foods. Now, with that being said, if someone's done all the recovery and they're living and eating very intuitively and they feel really good and then they begin to experiment, we always use the words like experiment and observe and see how you feel. Like you can get to a point where you can have fun and experiment with things, but the moment it becomes obsessive or you create anxiety around it, that's not having fun and experimenting. That's a different thing. So we always just want to I think it is one of those things where it is such a fine line between which is what and why we really believe like you, you you need to do the intuitive eating work first before you start to experiment. But that doesn't mean at one point you could not not experiment. And I'll even speak from like a personal experience. I personally at this time, you know, don't feel good eating gluten. It causes a lot of like skin reactions for me and gut reactions. But I did all of my intuitive eating work first and then was like, all right, I'm just gonna experiment and like have fun and see what happens and then notice a big difference. So now it's not something that's huge in my diet, but I also don't freak out if I accidentally have some because I don't have celiac disease too, you know? So again, it's a spectrum. There's a really fine line between the two, but I don't think it means someone can never not not eat like 
they can experiment with that. I think we're both okay with that. It just depends absolutely. on the person and where they are in the recovery. Yeah. Did you add anything to that, Ag? Um, no, I absolutely just want to echo everything you said. And I think, you know, when somebody is in that healthy space with food and they are in a good relationship with it and they've learned to really eat intuitively at that point, you know, experimenting with food and stuff can be driven by true wellness and what makes you feel mm -hmm. good versus being a reminder of, you know, that trauma that you experienced or to be more of a, you know, a manipulative thing or something like that. So you don't, your body doesn't necessarily in your mind, don't see it anymore as, as something that you are, um, you know, important putting up on yourself in a manipulative way and in, in a way reflective of that past trauma, but it's more of like a truly driven by wellness. I want to feel good kind of way. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so hard though, because there is such a fine there line is. between mm -hmm. the two. And, you know, sometimes we work with people, we keep some of the intolerances or, you know, avoiding certain, and sometimes we're like, no, we're going to, you know, add in everything back and then maybe we'll get to a point where we start to take some things away and just see how you feel. But I do think, especially with digestive health, that's the first thing people immediately go to is eliminating all the foods. And we advocate more for getting to the root cause of what's causing the digestive issues, adding fun things into your diet that can help make your digestion feel its best. And then if we have to eliminating foods, but I, I don't like to encourage people to make that the very first thing they do, which I do think is being very promoted right now. Yes. Everybody yeah. goes on a should diet. <laughs> so, you know, something that you briefly mentioned at the start of the episode was the brain gut axis. And I think that that's something where when somebody is recovering from an eating disorder, it's hard to tell like what's an intolerance versus, you know, what's being caused by anxiety because so much of our gut health is tied to our mental health. And I'd love if you could kind of expand a bit more on, on the brain gut axis and, and what that means. Okay. That I love that you talk about that. Um, they're so interconnected and that's why I just said like recovery has to come first because if it doesn't, you kind of don't know which one's causing what. So with any anxiety around food, any obsession around food, like your brain and your gut are so intrinsically tied together. We have our gut, which is often referred to as your second brain. It's your enteric nervous system. And then we have our brain, which is our central nervous system. And they speak to each other via the vagus nerve. Um, they're also linked to your microbiome, which I just love nerding out and thinking about. Like, I just think that's the coolest thing. And the microbiome out. creates neurotransmitters. Yeah, they're, they're also interconnected. So there's technically a gut-brain microbiome axis, but we'll just talk about the gut brain axis and they absolutely talk to each other. So for example, that's a huge reason why when someone has an eating disorder, disordered eating, orthorexia, or even maybe they're just healing some digestion issues and they start to get anxious about food because of their digestion issues. The moment you start thinking to yourself, oh crap, I'm not going to digest that food. How is this going to go? I'm anxious about eating this. You're, you're actually quite literally telling your body not to digest that food. Um, so they are so linked together. And that's why I said recovery has to come first, because otherwise you're going to not know which is causing what. And um, just so important to like understand the link between the two. And if you believe like one of the first things we'll do with people is actually have them visualize how they're digesting food and have them take deep breaths before a meal and have them um, visualize how the food is going down and doing all these things to promote digestion in behavioral and mindset pieces, not necessarily in herbal supplements and avoiding all the foods. And we actually, we do use a lot of herbal supplements in our practice, but we always start first with the most simplest things that no one ever thinks about because they actively promote digestion. And that, like I just mentioned, deep breathing, that's a huge, huge thing that we promote. 
because your parasympathetic nervous system is the only time that you can rest and digest is what we call it the rest and digest mode. And if you're not in that mode, because most of us are in chronic stress and we live in this fight or flight mode, we ha- and that's your sympathetic nervous system, um, you're not, you're actually not going to digest the food. So there's actually a couple different mechanisms. There's the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. And then there's a whole other ball game with the gut brain axis and them talking to each other. So as you can tell, like there's a lot of different aspects of why like, having anxiety around food is only going to perpetuate things. Totally. And I love what you said about just, you know, deep breathing and kind of getting your body to a place, you know, mentally and physically to be prepared for digestion. I'm sure many people have had that experience where they're rushing and they eat something really quickly and then you like physically don't feel well because you've just like shoved a ton of food in your face really quickly and you haven't prepared your body for like needing to digest it and you know it's similar if you're feeling really anxious about something and you you know you're mentally not there to be able to physically digest your food like it's all interconnected yeah like think about it like anytime you have a presentation right like most people know that feeling that they get in their gut that they like are nervous about a presentation like it's that same thing but just in a smaller lesser degree. So it's still actively there that, that tie between the two. So, um, just cause you don't feel as extreme as you do, maybe when you have a presentation, like it's still always there and they're always speaking to each other. Totally. So I do want to touch on supplements cause, uh, you, you introed the topic there. So you made the segue for me, but, um, so supplements are kind of, you know, I, I feel like I hear people being like, supplements are great and then other people being like you can get everything you need from your diet like what are your thoughts on supplements yeah so we obviously use supplements um we're not we love supplements in a um when they are necessary we are very targeted in how we use them and how we approach them we're not just throwing supplements at people saying he take this take that but we think they're very very appropriate and very useful for the right person in the right situation and so we use them um we use some in in a more generic health standpoint depending on what their history is if they have disordered eating or you know if they're working on fertility or hormones or whatnot but then we also use a lot of specific ones for overall digestive health um, and supporting the natural digestive process there. And also if somebody is, you know, suffering from something more serious in their digestion, say like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, which we see a whole lot in our practice because it is largely associated with disordered eating, then we use some very uh, specific and targeted supplements in that way in order to address that. And so, um, yeah, we, we think they're great and useful, but at the same time, they, we have to tread very lightly with them and it's nothing that we ever want people. We, we are very careful with what we say on our podcast and in our blogs about them. Cause we never want people to ha- be under the impression that they can just take whatever they want and they'll be fine because <laughs> supplements are, they are very powerful and they can be very potent. And so did you have something you want to say? Yeah. You know, in the beginning, when I first became a dietitian, I was definitely like a, you don't need any supplements at all. You can get everything you need from food. But my, my mindset has definitely shifted and changed on that. Um, as I've learned more about our food system and how things are set up, I don't necessarily think all 
I think there we can get the large majority of what we need from food, but there are a few things like, for example, fermented cod liver, butter oil blend to get vitamins A, D, and K2. I think it's something most people benefit from. Uh, but there's honestly, there's only a few general supplements I think most people need. Like Meg said, we typically use them just for therapeutic targeted use. So I'm definitely pro supplements, but using them targeted and just a few generic general ones most people need. Yeah. Yeah, and where I think it can be really helpful is, you know, sometimes you might be deficient in something or something, you know, might be more supportive of your health if you're struggling with hormone issues or, you know, what whatever it is that you're struggling with. But like, you know, having to be so targeted with your diet can be really overwhelming and, and take you away from that, you know, intuitive eating and listening to your body. So if it's as simple as taking a supplement in the morning, that might actually be a better solution for you than having to eat like three bowls of Swiss chard every day. So. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. And two, we got to thank our, yeah, it's true. Maybe in times past people, yeah, reaped a lot more nutrition from their foods because our soils were better. And if, you know, our food's only as good as the quality of the soil at the end of the day. And so I think that, you know, some of these things like magnesium or zinc or some of these things that they're seeing to be more of a deficiency in our world, I think a lot of it can unfortunately be attributed to the quality of our food in a lot of ways. And so being, yeah, food sometimes you need a little help there, <laughs> but you know, like you said, I think it can be really very beneficial in a, in a lot of ways. So. Yeah, totally. So I do want to get into the topic of hormones because that's like my favorite topic. If you know, if you've listened to the podcast, then you know that I love talking about hormones and I know you love talking about hormones. So this is going to be a really good match here. So it's, you know, to me, it's, it's really astonishing how many women are struggling with their hormones and, you know, have difficulties with their cycle. Maybe they're not getting their period or maybe they're dealing with hormonal acne or PCOS or there's just so many different hormonal issues that women are struggling with. Like what's going on? I know that's kind of a big question, but like why are women struggling so much with their hormones? Oh man, that is a really big question and I'm getting excited now because I really truly love talking about hormones too. Um, okay, <laughs> calm down. nerding out here. I am. So yeah, I think there is, there is a lot going on in our modern day world and you know, the modern woman, it's in some ways an evolutionary mismatch in a lot of ways. And so we're kind of, our, our systems are super sensitive. As you know, Davida, our hormones are, they fluctuate on a monthly cycle. And so, and it can be, they can be, um, affected by different factors in our life. So of course we have different, um, you know, factors in our environment. So like makeups and cosmetics and these other things that can affect our hormones and can in a lot of ways act as, act as hormones in our bodies, um, our food systems and the foods we eat. Um, of course, you know, something that I can't talk about hormones and not mention this, the birth control pill in a lot of ways is, I mean, that's that right there is some is synthetic hormones. And so taking that can either cause certain issues and hormonal dysregulation when coming off the birth control pill, or it can cover up hormonal issues that were already there. And so I think there is a lot at play here and every woman with her hormonal, you know, um, makeup of her body is going to be in any sort of hormonal dysregulation going on there is going to be very, very different. And to add to that, you know, I think a lot of it too, is that we're not 
set up for women's success. We're more so set up for, um, honestly, like how men function. So men have a 24-hour cycle of their hormones. We as women have anywhere from a 21 to a 31-day cycle. And a lot of what is set up is more so for just the fact that everyone's go, go, go all the time. But as women, we have a week uh, when we're menstruating where we are lower in energy. And then we have a week when we're ovulating where we're all for energy and we want to be social beings. And I don't feel like the our, our culture right now is set up for the way women respond best to um, everything going on. And what I would add to that too is, you know, we can't not talk about hormones, not say that most women under eat and most women over exercise and we're so stressed out in today's world and we're not sleeping enough. So as you can tell, like there's a, so many different factors at play here that's making it so that hormones are kind of all over the place for every woman. Yeah. I think you touched on it right there. Like the stress thing. Totally. That- <laughs> just stress. Like just stress. Okay, one thing alone, like stress. The yeah. fact that we're all so chronically stressed out, that, like that is set up for to make our hormones go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not meant to be like chasing bears every day. And I know that sounds like a really crazy analogy there, but I mean, you have to think our bodies have not evolved that much to not understand that we aren't in survival mode 24 seven. And that's what they think when we're getting stressed out about traffic and when we're stressed out about a work deadline, like our bodies still think that we're in that like fight or flight running from a bear mode. Totally. And it's been something that I've experienced in my own journey where I've, you know, dealt with some pretty bad hormonal acne for the last couple of years. And I figured out, you know, I tried everything from supplementation to adjustments in my diet and ultimately found that decreasing my stress levels was the most effective way to heal my hormonal acne. Like there are other things you can do to support that, but really just trying to get my stress levels down was the most effective thing I could do. And it's funny because I, it's it's so simple. Like I, I was kind of brainstorming of like, how how can I use my platform to, you know, add some good to the world and and just be, you know, a source of positivity for people. And ultimately, that's why we created the ebook that's all about stress relief. But it's, it's crazy to me that, you know, we we spend so many years reading all these books about how to do this and eat this way and exercise this way. And then like, now we're offering services trying to tell people how to eat intuitively and listen to their body and reduce their stress levels. Like the stuff that we're talking about, it's like, we now need to reteach people all of these things that are supposed to be really intuitive. So true. So true. I think it excites me though. I mean, something I talk to on our podcast and we talk about to our tribe and our clients all the time is like, it can feel really daunting to feel like, gosh, we just have made everything the exact opposite of what we should be. But what I like to do is flip flop that and be like, how exciting is that, that we, our generation, because Davida, I think you're around the same age as us. Like we are, I, I use that for empowerment. Like I'm so excited to think of like the change that we can have for future generations to come. But it takes people like you, Davida, and us, and all of us kind of speaking out against the way the system's currently set up, where it's very diet culture ridden. It's very set up for everyone feeling like they have to be busy 24 seven and we have to work, work, work. And, you know, a lot of us are standing up against that and being like, no, you know what, there is another way. And I, I really feel like it really, to use the word again, excites me just to think of like, oh, I'm like really 
so thrilled to think about how things will be like in future generations because I think we're we're all realizing that we didn't set things up the way that they should be and we're all getting back to how nature maybe intended it to be in the mm. beginning. <laughs> yes. And I, I love that perspective. And I think that that's something I, I feel like at times I felt really negative about it, like because it's made me sad, you know, how we have to reteach everyone and relearn how to live intuitively. And yet, like, how exciting is it to, you know, be able to inspire and be inspired by this whole new generation that is all about, you know, supporting their health individually and being able to listen to your own body. You know, it's not something that I grew up with. Like, I like to say, like, I grew up in a house with margarine, which is like, you know, really encompasses what it means to be a 90s baby. And I... Yeah, you so get that. So, um, but now, you know, how exciting is it to be able to like teach another generation that like, you know, butter isn't evil, like fat isn't evil. And, you know, here's how to, you know, eat with the world around you and eat in a way that feels, you know, really intuitive and really supportive of your health, but also, you know, and, and understanding health, not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental, emotional, you know, completely holistic standpoint. So I love what you said about that, just like really flipping it on its head. So I'm going to embrace that. (laughs) I love what you just said about like working with the world with how we eat. That's such a good way to like say that, right? Because I mean, it is like, we're so obsessed now with like making eating a certain way for like everyone to consume matcha and kale and stuff, but like let's instead work with like, where do you live and what is your seasons and where like even in the world are you at this exact moment and just like work with what's around you versus like forcing yourself to eat certain things. Totally. I mean, and I, I feel really lucky cause I live in California now. So pretty much everything is, is accessible year round, but I'm, you know, having grown up in Toronto where you're not getting fresh vegetables most of the year, like I know exactly what that feels like. And I think it's an important lesson for all of us to be reminded of that like healthy eating or just a healthy lifestyle looks so different depending on where you're living and what you have access to. Yes, couldn't agree more. So let's jump into the hot seat question. So I'm going to ask the question, then I'll give each of you a chance to respond if that works. Okay. Cool. So the first question is, what's the one health habit you can't live without? It changes for me all the time. But right now I would say yoga. I've really stepped back from any other forms of exercise because my body has told me that's what it wants right now. And I'm just loving yoga right now and all different forms, primarily restorative types though. And that just is feeling really good right now. It's good. Yeah, I hear ya. I hear ya. And yeah, because you're doing your teacher training right now, right? I am, yeah. So I'm like deep in the throes of yoga right now and I'm loving it. It's amazing. I'll have to talk to you sometime about that because I'm definitely intrigued in the teacher training. I've yeah. thought about it. <laughs> definitely. Let's chat. My turn? Yes, yes, your turn. I think one that's like a steady, of course, we do kind of this thing a lot on our podcast and it always changes, but a steady one for me, I think is always walking. Um, I love walking with my music and just jamming out or listen to something like softer. It's just like my time where I can just be alone with my thoughts and do some earthing and, you know, <laughs> I just love it. I love walking. I think it's really restorative for me. Totally. I just said earthing. Ah, earthing, <laughs> I know. I love that. But there's no other way to describe it. Like, it, it really is, like, feeling the earth below your feet. Like, it, it's earthing. Yep. <laughs> it is what it sounds like. Yeah. So. 
<laughs> so the next question is, is there a business or a business person who you look up to? Hmm. So many. Oh, man. Oh, who's our number one? I mean, we look up to DeVito. Oh, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> um, I, so many. I like, I'm kind of, can't think of anything because there's so many. I really love Georgie from In It From The Long yes. Run. Um, Meg, the well, the well Essentials. Yeah, I love, I, uh, both of them are really great. I totally agree. What about, it, you know, in the nutrition space? Like, are there people who you really feel like they you know, are preaching a message that you guys are most in line with? Um, we really like Chris Kresser, interestingly enough, because he's more paleo-based and it's not necessarily the diet aspects, but we love learning from him because he's very evidence-based. Not sure if a lot of people, but he's very heavy in like having research articles. So we really like um, a lot of the information he puts out there about, you know, if you're wondering, I guess, about like specific types of diagnoses or supplements, that kind of stuff. So not necessarily paleo, just again, because we're more so into intuitive eating. But I really like, um, yeah. I think I love his evidence-based approach to holistic healing. Do yeah. you have any others, Meg? And I would add on to that, Christy Harrison is an actual registered dietitian. That She is very intuitive, very much in the whole body positive, um, anti-diet culture um, space. And so we love, love, love everything she puts out there. Love her podcast. She's just an inspiration and amazing. And yeah, I love Christy as well. She was actually on the podcast. She was episode 42, I believe. So check out, check out that episode. If you want to learn more about her and and her journey, which has been really inspiring and her podcast is amazing. It is. is. So the next question is what advice would you have for your 20 year old self? Oh, <laughs> you should have seen both of our eyes. We both just went, oh, geez. Um, I would tell myself to calm down, to trust the process, and to enjoy life a little bit more. I was so worried about all the things all the time. Yeah, yeah, that was me too. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, calm calm the freak out <laughs> is what I would say because I and get some sleep prioritize sleep because I did not do that and so I would say calm the freak down and get some sleep <laughs> so you know, what it, I, would say, I think my mom told me that many many times as a 20 year old so now I sound like my mother and I should have just listened to her but <laughs> we all should have so I, I, I laugh these days because I sleep so much now. Like I, I, I really – I sleep very well and I sleep a lot. And I joke that I'm making up for the time I didn't sleep in my early 20s and like through college because I, I, I just didn't sleep. And I like was – would wake up so early and go to bed so late. And now I'm like I need like 10, 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. every day. Oh, I you feel and me you both. that. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah. So – the- the last question is, what advice do you hope to get from your older self? Like, what do you not have figured out yet that that you hope your older self will be able to tell you you got it figured out? Yeah, that's really good. A switch question. <laughs> um, man, and it's I, – I actually – Victoria and I talk about this a lot. We can't wait to be older. Like, I'm really excited to be in my 30s and be in my upper 30s because I'm – we're always in process. Every one of us is always in process. So I feel like I'm always learning so much about just myself and of course with my business and my passions and the things I love. And so I feel like, man, I hope I, I hope I learn how to, um, 
like I said, I'm learning a lot about myself these days and just how I am best able to interact with the world. And so I hope I'm able to just find, um, find peace with myself. Not that I don't have peace right now, but just learn how to honor myself the best I can, because I feel like, you know, in our modern world, like we talked about, we get so caught up and go, go, go. It's hard sometimes to just sit with yourself and kind of know what's best for yourself and look after yourself. So I hope in the future, I'm able to look after myself more efficiently, if that makes sense. I don't know if that fully makes sense, but I'm in this process of figuring myself out. And so I feel like, you know, my future self is going to hopefully be better at that. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I, I, that totally resonates with me because I feel like I've gotten to a place where I'm really getting to know myself and my needs, but I still don't necessarily make enough time to like make that happen. You know, I'm so much more aware of it now, but the actual step of like implementing all the ways in which I can support this person that I'm getting to know, it, that's, that's the additional step that I think is, is more challenging and I don't necessarily make enough time for. I make more time for, but I could make even more time for. So that totally resonates with me. Yes. Agreed. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then I would say, I mean, honestly, similar, but you know, I think in my 20s, looking back, it was trusting the process as far as like loving your body and not dieting. And it was very like, it would have been very like, because my mind was so focused on my food and my body size at that time that now I'm looking back and be like, girl, just trust the process. You're fine. Uh, but now it's like, I, I hope years later I can say the same thing, but within more of a, a business mindset. I mean, we're still like year one in our first business and being an entrepreneur is my dream literally I love it so much but I still get so anxious about it and so like it's so caught up in my mind about it because it is a lot of work and it's hard because I love it so much and I, I think I need to learn to trust the process because I get so scared because I love it so much that you know it's not always going to be perfect or right um if that makes sense so I I hope my older self can be like oh, you got this girl like you had it figured out all along. You just needed to trust the process a little bit more. Totally. And I, it's funny because when I was kind of, you know, getting out of a place of, of disordered eating and, and having no trust in my body, I also started The Healthy Maven. And in a lot of ways, some of those thoughts around my body ended up being transferred to my business. And, you know, that was a, a real work in progress of like not, you know, constantly being afraid that it was going to be taken away from me or feeling like I wasn't working hard enough. Like all of those questions that I had about my own body kind of got transferred to my business. And I'm happy to say that I've been able to work through a lot of them and have been able to trust the process a lot more. But that was like a really, really challenging, like those first like year or two of the Healthy Maven was like, oh my God, like someone's going to take this away from me. I'm never going to be successful at this. And like, it might not have been projected to the world, but internally I was experiencing a lot of those questions and, and self-doubts. So it, you know, it, it gets better. I promise you it gets better, but trust me, I still have those days. Um, I think I like, want to cry right now because we resonate <laughs> with that so deeply. Like, yeah, when you said that, I was like, whoa, that's it. That We've is projected it. onto our business now that, and it's not that like we're doing so great, but it is a scary thing. And you're so right. You just kind of move it. And you know what that means too? It means that there's deeper work to be done because even when it is about the eating, it's never actually about the eating. So yeah, totally. That, 
That's totally. the work that you need to work yeah. on. Which is, again, to, I'm sure it's to be expected in your first year or two of having a business. I mean, yeah. But yeah. That's yeah. Good. Thank you for being sorry. Yeah, that was such, yeah, was, thank you so much for that. Of I course. That, like, aha moment. We both were like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm happy I could impart some wisdom onto you and know that it will, it, it does get easier, but it's, I'm glad, I, I do think that if you were to go into your first year of business being like, I got this all figured out, you wouldn't necessarily have the like fire under your butt to like learn how to do more things and learn how to, you know, just accept that you're in this growing space and things are going to evolve and change and that that's a really good thing. So I think there is sort of a more positive side to to this doubt and questioning um so it's not it's not all bad but like you said like it is an opportunity to kind of dig a little bit deeper and and question why you know you're having thoughts like that and and know that it really does get better I promise you love that thank you so So, good so if people want to find out more about both of you and your podcast and all the work that you're doing where can they do that yeah so of course, we have a website, nourishingmindsnutrition.com. Our podcast is called Nourishing Women Podcast. And our individual blogs and Instagrams, mine is Root for Food and rootforfood.net is my blog. And then my blog is diehardfoodie.net, which will probably be changing to Victoria Myers in the next few months. And then my Instagram is at Victoria Myers. Perfect. Well, I really hope people go and follow you, listen to your podcast. It's amazing. And you really go deep into a lot of the topics that we talked about on the show today. So for anyone who's, you know, trying to eat more intuitively or just learn to listen to their body and, and just get a more holistic understanding of food and food culture, I highly encourage people to check it out and just follow you everywhere because you are such a positive inspiration. You keep it real and That's why I love you guys, and I'm so happy you came on the show today. Well, thank you for having us. We're so honored, and we hope maybe one day you can come on our podcast. I I would love that. That would be amazing. We'll have to plan that soon. We would love, love, love to have you on. Amazing. Well, that was a good one, and that was a lot of information to digest, pun intended. If you guys want to continue the conversation around all of these topics, I would love if you joined the THM tribe. We chat about all these types of things, and so much more. It's just an amazing, supportive community, and I'm there all the time helping to answer questions. You guys are there answering my questions. It's just a really cool, supportive tribe. So if you want to join, it's just facebook.com slash group slash THM tribe. And if you guys have been enjoying the podcast, as always, I would love if you left a review on iTunes or whatever podcast player you're using, or if that's not something that's accessible to you, share the podcast with a friend. Maybe share it on social media or, you know, just share it with your mom. Share the love. And coming up and next week on the show, we have the amazing Kate Hurley on the show chatting all about anxiety and how anxiety has actually been a huge benefit to her life and to her business. And as someone who has struggled with anxiety for as long as I can remember, this show is a good one. I know it totally resonated with me and for anyone out there who struggles with anxiety or even if you don't struggle with anxiety, it's just a really good episode. And yeah, If you guys want to keep following along my journey, I would love if you did so over on social media. It's just The Healthy Maven or head over to my blog, thehealthymaven.com. 
I always find it really funny that people don't realize I have a blog. But yeah, that's kind of where I got started. And that's still my happy place and where I spend most of my time. But I also love the podcast. It's my passion project. And getting to share other people's journeys with you is like the coolest thing ever. So thank you. If I haven't said that enough, like thank you so much for letting me do this. And with that, I am going on vacation. So I will be back here next week, hopefully refreshed, you know, having recharged my batteries. And yeah. I hope you guys have a wonderful week, whether you're on vacation or not. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.